You're listening to a social justice podcast hosted by Nicholas Sperling, brought to you by The Flag Shop, and inspired by a social justice coloring book. Hello, this is a social justice podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Sperling, and today we're going to be having a discussion about disabilities with my special guest, Rachel Ransom. Hi. Uh, would you be able to introduce yourself, Rachel? Sure. So my name's Rachel. I am a 27-year-old woman with a disability who, I guess I can give a little background on that. I was born three months premature with cerebral palsy and have been doing well ever since, working in film the last five years and doing some music stuff on the side as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining today. I'm looking forward to this discussion in a lot of our episodes. Sometimes I can chime in, sometimes I can't. In this episode, I really, I don't usually use the word disabled to refer to myself, but technically speaking, uh, I have ADHD and I have chronic pain because of uh, shoulder problems. So I may be able to chime in a little bit here and there, um, but primarily I'll, I'll have some questions for you and we'll have some back and forth and we'll see where this takes us. Sure. All of the episodes that we do uh, are very broad in nature, at least for the beginning, we're sort of covering these very big overarching topics. Uh, what are the big social justice issues in the world these days? Because of that, we can't usually touch on everything to do with every topic. And that's not going to be any different today because there's so many ways that a person might deal with disabilities. And obviously, we're not qualified to talk about all of those different ways. You've already listed um, cerebral palsy as something that you're going to be able to discuss, at least from your perspective. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about ADHD uh, and my shoulders. Is there anything else that you just wanted to bring up in terms of your expertise or uh, your lived experiences, things that you can touch on versus things that you can't? Um, I can also touch on scoliosis because that's a new diagnosis, I guess, that I've acquired in the last couple of years. I think... I know I just want to bring home the point that I don't speak for every person with a disability. I don't speak for every person with cerebral palsy or scoliosis. I mean, someone could hear this and be like, I completely disagree. Hmm. And that's okay. Uh, I think we all have different opinions on how we approach this because it is a pretty personal topic. Absolutely. I think that's a really good caveat to start the conversation with. And with that said, and, and and the same applies for me, I'm not going to speak for everyone who has ADHD or everyone who has shoulder problems, right? We're, um, we're just going to speak from our own perspectives, and, and hopefully that's going to help our audience to get a, a bit of a better understanding about disabilities, but also that there's more uh, work to do in terms of understanding what disability means. Uh, and that's exactly what I want to get into first, is what disability means. Mm. So Merriam-Webster defines it as a physical, mental, cognitive, or developmental condition that impairs interferes with or limits a person's ability to engage in certain tasks or actions or participate in typical daily activities and interactions. So uh, my question around that is, do you think that that is, uh, is that your understanding of the definition? Is that a good definition? Um, just to make sure that we're all sort of starting from uh, a place of understanding each other. Mm. You know, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is limiting. It does hinder. It does get in the way sometimes. It's not, at least for me, I mean, I'm very thankful that I I can still walk and do a lot of things that I love to do, but I do deal with chronic pain. I deal with balance issues, depth perception problems. Yeah, there are things that are going to be more difficult. And I think that's a really hard thing to hear and accept. And that was something that it took me a long time to get comfortable with is like, 
you got to know your limit, play within it. I mean, it's cheesy, but it's true. Like, if my friend wants to go hiking, it's like, yes, I will join you. I love hiking. But here are things you should be aware of. I might fall. You know, not good on downhill. I'm going to be slow, especially if I have a backpack on. Like, you know, you got to kind of prep yourself for what you're about to do. Right. Setting sort of expectations mm-hmm. around what you're capable of and what other people should um, should acknowledge before maybe asking you to do something like sure. that. Sure. I mean, but I think the bigger piece to that is is negotiating that with yourself mm-hmm. and figuring that out. I mean, I've said yes to things and then got there and I'm like, holy crap, this is hard. Like my big one that I did was it a year ago now, I went and hiked in Kelowna. It was like this 15 kilometer hike and then you sleep camp and then you hike out again. Mm-hmm. And I had never done like an overnight hike before. And I'm with my boyfriend and a couple of friends and, you know, I warn them because they're like, from Kelowna, like my boyfriend grew up there. They hike all the time. They're buddies. Like, that's what they do. I said, listen, I got invited. I love to be invited. But I said, I'm going to be slower than you guys. I might have some problems. I'll have a great attitude doing it because it sounds fun. But just like if you're thinking you're going to do this for the world record time, I should probably sit this one out. Right. So in, I guess in some ways it's about understanding yourself and being able to set boundaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just... You know, I wouldn't ever want to hold somebody else back from doing something because they'd be, you know, oh, like, I don't want to make Rachel uncomfortable by inviting her to this thing. And then maybe we'll just do something else. It's like, if you want to go do it, do it. I'll catch you next time. Right. Right. You mentioned cerebral palsy being sort of the, I guess, the the disability that you uh, have experience with, that you understand um, maybe more so than others. Can you explain what cerebral palsy is and how it impacts your life? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll give a, a broad strokes for, for me anyway. So for in my circumstance, it was, you know, sort of brain damage at birth. I was born three months early and had legions all over my brain. Um, doctors told my parents, like, look, she's probably not going to walk. She's probably not going to talk. She's probably going to be in a wheelchair and et cetera. They were like, you know, you should prepare for that. And my parents were like, OK, we'll try and like wrap our head around this. And then a month later, they did the scans again, and half of them were gone on my brain. Like, it it seemed to have cleared up quite a bit. Nobody knows why at this point. It's just what happened. And what I was left with was my brain tells the muscles in my body to be flexed 24-7. So I don't have any relief uh, there. It's My muscles are tight all the time. So I pull muscles often. I have lots of knots. Um... And obviously, I kind of, I limp when I walk because my calf muscles are tight, so it pulls my feet into a, a, a more interesting gait. Mm-hmm. Uh, and recently, uh, they, my muscles have pulled my spine into a bit of a curve now, so I've got scoliosis on top of that. This sounds very similar to, um, my dad has a condition called dystonia, and it sort mm. of fires muscles um, uncontrollably. Do you know if it's similar to that in, in any way? I've heard of that condition. I'm not entirely sure how they correlate. I mean, I do have spasticity, so if my muscles are super tuckered out, they'll start shaking and it kind of starts to cramp, feels a little bit sharp like a knife sometimes, and it's like pretty uncomfortable when that happens, but it does pass eventually. Right. So maybe, yeah, maybe they are correlated. Yeah, I mean, it's not something he, he uh, has had his whole life. It was something that came on later, but 
um, just when you were saying that the muscles are sort of doing these kinds of things mm -hmm. uh, without you necessarily consciously wanting them to, that it sounded yeah. very similar in that regard. Now, before we did the podcast, we'd been messaging back and forth, and you'd said that sometimes you feel disabled, but not disabled enough. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe elaborate on what you meant by that? So I feel like this is a personal sort of thought just on the way that I've I've lived my life. So in my life, I have friends who are disabled and friends who aren't. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in my circle of friends that are disabled, I sometimes am like, oh, man, like, I have problems, but, you know, so do they. And their problems seem more severe than mine. And, you know, you kind of catch yourself feeling like you shouldn't complain to that person because maybe you feel in your mind that their struggles are worse and you kind of got to check yourself a little bit and realize that you know they're your friends and they're going to be there for you no matter what and it's a safe space because they might not understand exactly what you're going through if it's a different disability they're dealing with but they're going to be there for you but i think in terms of medically like I don't, I'm not classified, I, I don't have disability, I'm not, what's the term, like I'm not um, on disability, I guess. Right, okay. Like I don't receive any sort of payment from the government for being disabled, but of course, you know, I walk into any doctor's office and say like, yeah, I have cerebral palsy, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's mild, okay, you know, and, th but, like things like handicap, uh, stickers for your car, or those kinds of things. I don't qualify for that because they say literally that I'm not disabled enough. Same with the disability tax credit, all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, where does that leave me? Like, where do I fit? I'm kind of in the middle because, you know, obviously I don't want to go on disability simply because I don't feel I need it. Uh, because I'm fortunate enough that I can work and mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for that. Um, but you know, there are some circumstances where I'm like, okay, yeah, but like sometimes I have really hard days where I, you know, struggle to walk and would appreciate, you know, a closer parking spot when we're going somewhere. I mean, I'm still learning how to drive and I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that in a bit, but yeah, it's, it's those kinds of things where you kind of wonder like, where, where do I fit here exactly? Right. Um, and so you feel almost awkward. like an identity tied to it. Yeah. And, and it feels awkward because you're like, somebody might need this more than me. I don't know if I should, if I should take it. Like, for example, seats on the bus. You know, if I see an older uh, person or someone who's really struggling, I'll give up my seat for them. No problem. Which puts me at risk. My balance is terrible. I will fall over, mm -hmm. you know, but because unless they see me walking or moving, they might not know that I have a disability. I've also been asked, like, hey, I need a seat. Um, and it's like, oh, okay. And then, you know, I don't want to sit there and be like, well, I'm disabled too. Like, I need a seat too. You know, sometimes I've done that if I if I really am feeling. Uh, the thing with CP that I, I get is a lot of pain. I'm in chronic pain all the time mm -hmm. because the muscles are always tight. So sometimes, yeah, I need to sit down and I have to be, you know, say I'm, I'm sorry i also need this seat right but yeah. it's it can be difficult because when i see that somebody else needs it more than me in that moment of course i'm going to get up and and give it to them. right it can be a challenge to be a self-advocate for yourself that's uh, yeah. i think something a lot of people struggle with whether they have disabilities or not is, is just advocating for what they need in, in any given moment 
Um, and I think that that's probably a pretty universal feeling of I shouldn't complain because someone else has it worse as well. Yes. Right. Like there's definitely instances where I'll go, you know, I, why am I complaining about being depressed or why am I complaining about mm. being, um, what, whatever, like sore from soccer practice or, you know, anything really, uh, because someone else could have it worse. And I think a lot of people just don't recognize that we all have struggles and we all have upsides and you can't just constantly compare yourself to other people. You yeah. just need to figure out how to deal with that for you. And that's something that I struggle with because sometimes it does feel like I'm in that between. Like sometimes I even forget I am disabled. Mm -hmm. And that's always fun because I'll have a few really good days where my body's giving me some grace and I'm able to get a ton of stuff done. And guess what? I overdo it. Mm -hmm. I go way too hard at the gym. Like I'm, I'm trying to get back into exercise and I, you know, go super, super hard. I'm like, yeah, I feel awesome the next day destroyed like i'm like oh my god i pulled like three muscles and what was i thinking and now i'm gonna be you know like this for a week and it's like that little reminder like oh yeah you see you are disabled it's not in your head it's there <laughs> well, and speaking of being in your head i have very similar experiences with my adhd which is more of a mental side of things where uh, i'll have a ton of energy to do all of the things, right? I want to do everything, <laughs> yeah. all these hobbies I want to do. And I'll just go flat out doing them for a week, two weeks maybe. And then suddenly I'll crash and I can't do anything for a week. And I'm so hard on myself. Like, Why aren't you doing anything yeah. without recognizing you've just worn your brain out and you, now it needs to recover, right? You, you did all the things balance. two weeks ago and now your brain's like, we're done. We did them all. <laughs> right. And, and it's, it's hard uh, for, for me it, like in the moment to go, you're not doing badly. Like, when you look at the overall, let's say I take a year of my life, mm -hmm. it, it'll be a wave, a series of waves, right? Sometimes I'm having a great time and other times I'm crashed and I'm not able to get out of bed for a while. Mm. Yeah. And, but overall, it sort of averages out. And so I find, and maybe you struggle with this, it's really hard to be easy on yourself oh, yeah. when you're in those moments of I can't do the things that I want to do that um, I can sometimes do. Yeah, like I feel sometimes like I'm at war with my own body. And I'm sure this is something that a lot of people can relate to. Like I over COVID. So before COVID, I was doing some boxing. Um, and then the pandemic happened and everything shut down and, and whatnot. So I was like, okay, well, I want to still exercise. So COVID exercise, I'm gonna learn, I'm gonna take up running. Now, obviously, that comes with its challenges when you have an interesting sort of gait and muscle issues, but I was determined to run, and I would push myself to run every day no matter what, and I was getting pretty good at it, and, you know, they talk about runner's high, right, where it's like, yeah, you're getting that adrenaline and, and uh, all of the endorphins and everything, but for me, it was like next level because I was like, I'm in pain, my body is obviously struggling, but it's mental, and I can push through it, and I can beat it. It's like I was at war with, with cerebral palsy in that way. Like, when I was running, I was winning. And then uh, I hit 15K, I actually made it, I ran 15K. Now, this is, I don't want to set any super high expectations of what I actually did. It was like a run walk situation but I, I still made it to 15 kilometers and then I found out that I had scoliosis mm. 
Uh, my back pain increased. I went to the doctor. He recommended I go for x-rays, and they discovered that my muscles were tight in my back, and they were pulling my spine into that curve. And I started going to physio, and the physio guy was like, yeah, you got to chill on the running. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, when you run, it, it compresses. there's compression there, and it's actually aggravating it more. So, you know, you need more low-impact stuff. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I was so angry because that thing that I used to, like, mentally combat my disability is now being taken from me. So the whole thing of, like, I would find exercise that I love to do and then be told, no, things are getting worse. You can't do this anymore. you got to go easy on yourself. Now I'm trying to learn to love swimming. (laughs) <laughs> because it's a low impact exercise and i've started doing the elliptical as well because it's a little bit lighter but you know it's just uh, the constant adapting you're you know when you're disabled and I, sure everybody can adapt in their life mm-hmm. but when you're disabled that you you know you get into these routines and they change really quickly based on your body's needs and you have to just pivot and that can be really hard to swallow so often you're just like oh my god again i have to find something new again i was happy doing this i'd love to go and get back into it again but my body's telling me differently and and you you have to pick your battles and unfortunately this is one that i can't win you know you have to kind of i feel like there are moments where it's me against my body and there are moments where i have to go okay let's work as a team on this one and figure it out. It's a love-hate relationship for sure. Right. And I guess playing those mental gymnastics of, you know, I I did love this thing. I can't do it anymore. So I need to now learn to love another thing because that's my only other option, really. Well, and when you deal with chronic pain, like it's the weird – okay, I'll I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I – my family and I were getting ready to go to Disneyland on vacation. And I went to the bathroom and little graphic, but I was being blood and it wasn't my period or anything. So I went and told my mom and she's like, okay, it is 11 PM. We're getting on a flight at like six. So we need to go to the hospital and figure out what's going on. Cause it could be serious. So I was like, okay. Um, we go to the hospital and I find out that I have a kidney infection. So it was a bladder infection. Then it got promoted <laughs> to a kidney <laughs> infection. And the doctor's looking at me and he's like, did you not feel pain in your back and when you were going to the bathroom? I was like, not really. I mean, my back always hurts. He's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I said, well, I have cerebral palsy. And he's like, okay. Yeah. He goes, okay. Um, and he tried to, he was like, you're not going to travel. You know, he said, if this was three days later, you could have been in serious, like he said, you would have been in the hospital admitted like it was that serious mm-hmm. and I just didn't even register. And so he told me, he's like, yeah, you can't travel. I said, well, that's too bad. Cause I'm going on this trip. I'm not canceling my trip. So he gave me five random pills. I still don't know what they were, took it. And it was an uncomfortable flight. But by the time we landed, I was feeling much better and you know, it worked out, but I feel like with my body, sometimes it's like, sometimes I'm in tune with it. But a lot of times I have no idea what's going on in there mm-hmm. and I miss stuff all the time. Like the scoliosis thing, I should have noticed it earlier, but I only noticed it because the pain increased. But it took a long time for me to notice the increase because it's always there. It's like white noise, right? 
you're just so used to hearing it. You don't know to listen for more because it's just some days are good, some days are bad, but there's always something going on there. Right. And I guess the level at which that pain is occurring is um, so different for different people. Like I have chronic pain, but for me right now, it's more of a slight discomfort. Mm. Um, And it sounds like for you, you're having so much pain that you can't necessarily differentiate other types of pain. Yeah. And, And or there's some videos that I've seen of people trying devices that sort of simulate childbirth. Oh, yeah. And they can rarely ever handle the pain that I shouldn't say men and women because, you know, people who are pregnant, right, are are experiencing a certain level of pain throughout pregnancies that other people may not be able to understand or it could be period pain, right? And I don't have experience with that as a trans person, but I've heard that that can get quite severe. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And in fact, I have friends who it gets very severe for. So it's entirely possible that one person is seemingly fine, but they're experiencing a level of pain that is incomprehensible to another person who also seems fine. Yeah. And it's funny to even talk about because, you know, for me, it's just my normal. Mm-hmm. So I wake up, it's the same. It would be like, I guess somebody who doesn't have chronic pain just waking up and going about their day. Like some days are like that because I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. It's all normal. Some days it it's an increase and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I'm feeling pretty crappy today. Like I this mm-hmm. hurts way more than usual. I use a lot of like heating pads. Heat is a blessing, my friend. Like you put, you know, those microwavable ones with the, you know, pop like the kernels or the beads in there. You throw in the microwave, it's all soft. I have those. Um, I have a obsession with sloths, you know, the, the sloths, the animal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm obsessed with them. So my boyfriend made me a like wrap around heating pad but it's it's got a he made a sloth on oh, it that's cute it's adorable and and the like buckles are like her claws it's Aww. super sweet but like yeah lots of heating pads uh hot baths and just you know rest when i need it but i'm i'm bad at that mm-hmm. i because I, it's always the again it's like this mental like i can keep doing the thing that i'm doing mm-hmm. i can keep going it's not that bad is it and then i go too much mm-hmm. and then i get hurt like my, I'm I'm actually starting to go to the gym again and doing like like I just said the swimming and some little bit of safe weightlifting for my old back. I feel like I'm 85 saying that. Like I soon I'll be in there with the swim caps doing aerobics. But my sister actually she's really good at like like heavy lifting. You know like the Instagram or like the influencers. You know the fitness. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. like my sister, but she's she's way cooler. Um, but she gave me a workout plan and. She has two days of rest in there because she knows that if she doesn't implement, like, okay, this day you're doing nothing, I'll just do it every single day. And then (laughs) I'll get tired and then maybe I'll fall off the wagon again. Like, she's going for consistency. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good word for for people dealing with chronic pain and disability. It's like you – it's hard because it's – you can't really find consistency, but you learn – what your body consistently can do and you learn what it can't Mm -hmm. and you learn kind of what your own normal is and sometimes it's completely like winter is usually the hardest for me personally because it's colder and everything tightens up more okay so the other thing i do is i do get botox injections which are not for cosmetic purposes what they do is they take Botox and they inject it 
into my muscles. So I, I don't know if you're squeamish at all. No, and actually, th- this is what my dad does for his dystonia as well. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. So you know all about that. The big, the big needle that goes into different parts of the muscle, and then they inject it, and it tears the muscle fiber to kind of like the brain is like flex and the muscles are like we can't because this stuff is in us now Mm. and it lasts for about four months um which is great but i always feel it starting to wear off right Mm -hmm. but of course it's not something i want to do more than once or twice a year because if you keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it eventually over time for years and years it can have the reverse effect oh where those muscles aren't as tight and, you know, it could go the other way. I, I think for me that would be pretty rare, but, you know, it is botulism, so it's not something I want to do all the time. Mm-hmm. But it does help get through the winter, that's for sure. And then sometimes when you're, like, I mean, for me personally, having CP when I'm on the table and they, of course, when they stick a needle in there, well, they're not going to be very happy, my muscles. So they'll start spasming. Mm. And then they have to, like, get this electromagnetic shock started to tire the muscle out. So I've literally got a needle in the muscle. They're moving it around, trying to find the right spot. They got this like little ultrasound machine that they're watching to see where the needle's going in the muscle. Then they're trying to tire it out with the electromagnetic like stim situation. All while I'm lying there going, we're good. It's good. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's not that many people that do it. I personally go to GF Strong. Um, they're great over there amazing people amazing team but sometimes they'll have interns that come in that are learning and so what do i do i volunteer myself to let the interns you know Mm -hmm. give me give it a shot right and when i first started doing that my dad who used to take me to my appointments he'd be like rachel you know you don't have to say yes to this right like and i'm like yeah but you know what they've got to learn how to do this Mm -hmm. and if everybody says no because they're afraid of what's going to happen I mean, nothing too terrible will happen. These people do have training. Um, the only thing that I've dealt with were they hit a couple of nerves along the way. And that's, I don't know if you've ever had a nerve get hit with a needle before. Uh, yeah, once. <laughs> yeah, not, it's kind of like, boing, right? <laughs> oh, you like straighten up a little bit. I've had that a couple of times. But for the most part, they were just super grateful to have the opportunity to try. And let me tell you, they're a lot more nervous then you are on the table because they don't want to fuck up either, right? They want it to be a nice, calm experience. Well, as calm as it can be, really. So, I mean, things like that are great. But those organizations, there's not a lot of them around, like GF Strong. And actually, GF Strong is um, stroke rehabilitation. That's oh, what they mainly okay. specialize in. But they also do – they have a spasticity clinic, and that's where I go for my stuff. But, like – you know, that's w- one place, I think, in, in Vancouver. I don't know about the rest of BC, but, I mean, I didn't have ample choices. Right. Put it to you that way. You take what you can get in some situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're waiting months. Yeah. And when you before you get in there, you have to get a referral, and then they have to assess you, and then they can get you on the waiting list. And, the, you know, people are always waiting. Yeah, it, t- it takes ages with our medical system for mm-hmm. anything. Like, uh, talk about ADHD. I was on a wait list to get diagnosed for that for a couple of years, I think. Just, just to get diagnosed. Yeah, it takes a while. I mean, I don't need to go into the whole story of why things took 
took longer, but Fair there enough. was misdiagnoses and there oh. was, um, you know, referrals that were ignored and things like that. So. See, but that's the kind of stuff that like people with disabilities and, and, you know, we deal with that all the time. Yeah. Like when I get my Botox injections, when I had uh, cleared it through my health insurance, they denied my claim a million times because they're like, we don't do cosmetic procedures. And I'm like, because oh, they I, sell Botox mm-hmm. on there, right? I'm like, listen, Betty, an insurance company, I am not getting lip filler or any other kind of filler for that matter. This is like, so I can move better. This is like, and the amount of times I had to get on the phone and try to be calm and try to be like, listen, like, this is my situation. They're like, oh yeah, that should be no problem. I'm like, then why do I keep getting denied? It's like, oh, it's just the name of the drug. Like people, and I'm like, great. Can someone? Clear that up. Can mm-hmm. somebody, you know, when I was in school, I ended up getting um, a government grant due to having a disability for going to university. This was like, God, I'm 27 now, and I graduated at 22. So, yeah, it was more than five years ago. Mm-hmm. God, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting I'm old. older than you. <laughs> oh, so, you know, they would be like, oh, it's, your loan is approved. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's. That's great, but this isn't a loan. This is a grant. I don't have to pay you guys back for this small chunk of education. Uh, so, you know, you're always getting on the phone. You're always correcting or, or trying to, you know, figure out what they're saying and why. And I, I don't blame anybody for this. Um, like with my driving, I got told that, yes, I can, I can learn how to drive. And my aunt has polio. And so I have exposure to driving with a physical disability, driving with hand controls mm-hmm. so that I don't have to worry so much about what my legs are doing because they're my main problem children. Like I have I have CP in all four limbs, but in my hands it's much more mild than in my legs. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, I go and, and uh, I got two out of ten on my depth perception assessment. And I said to them, I'm like, does this mean I can't drive? Like, no, no, there's tools you can do to, like, learn how to drive even with this. And I was like, okay, like, this seems like could be an adventure. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I'm still learning how to drive because of that. Because, you know, my depth perception is bad and I don't want to be afraid to be on the road. The hand controls are great. Like, I mean, it's it's just a lever that connects to the gas and brake pedal when I pull towards me, it's gas. When I push away from me, it's brake. And then because this hand is busy, I have a little ball on my steering wheel that helps me turn it all the way around. Mm-hmm. Only time it's awkward is when you're going through a drive-thru, you got to park it. Because oh, right. you can't reach over and get, because your car is going to roll, right? <laughs> so, I mean, little things like that. Right. But, yeah, like I wish someone had told me that my depth perception was bad because of the brain damage I had at birth. And, you know, they did say they're like, yeah, a lot of people who don't have CP also have bad depth perception. Like, it can just happen. Mm-hmm. But he goes, you know, you you are more prone to that because of what you've been through. It also, a new thing I've I've learned about is place blindness, hmm. which, and I, and I could be getting this wrong because I've only read about it a few times. But, like, I can go to some place, like, 30 times, and I will forget how to get there. But I have a great memory. Mm-hmm. Like, in, I remember people's birthdays, their names, directions. I am useless. Mm. No matter how, like, you know, even 
like I worked at this office for five years. For the first two, I was still like double checking how to get there. Interesting. Because I was like, you know, you get, you're like, wait, where am I? Like, and even if I'm on the wrong side of the street as before, I have to like take a second and figure it out. Yeah, it's it's interesting how our minds work because I the the closest thing I can think of to that that I deal with is um, I think it's called object permanence, where I will put something down somewhere and it's not where it's supposed to go, but then once it's there, my brain just goes, well, that's where it is. So my place can become a a total mess because every time I put something down, my brain doesn't go. I don't go by it and think. That needs to go back to the place it belongs. Oh. So I just like some days I look around and go, why is, why is my place so messy and disorganized? And it's because I've got all these things lying everywhere that they're not where they should go. But I don't have that thing in my brain that goes, put it back where it's supposed to be. So can you like, can you then, if you have a, a moment, can you put those things? Like if you go, oh, my place is so messy. Like what the heck? And yeah. then you're like, oh, I'm going to clean up now. Like will you... I can remember where they go, yeah, Okay, but it's less of a, I'm just going to do this piece at a time. It's sort of, things will accumulate and they won't bother me for quite a while. And then suddenly I look around and I go, my place is a disaster and I need to do a deep clean. For me, that's actually tonight. I've got people coming over tomorrow so and my place is a disaster. Yeah. So once we're finished here, I have to go home and I have to do a, like, Probably like five hours of cleaning, right? Oh or not not so much cleaning as organizing because it's yeah. just all these objects which have now become scattered around the place. They all need to go back where they belong. And then a month or two from now, it's going to be the same situation again. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I don't have that problem and I still am like that. Mm-hmm. Like I find like I never finish laundry. Mm. Like I'll wash it, dry it. And it sits in the laundry basket. I have a clean laundry basket and I have a dirty laundry basket. I, I do the exact same thing. For me, it's with, uh, I don't have a dryer. So I wash the laundry, I hang it to dry, but then it doesn't make it from the hanger back to the the dresser or dresser wherever, or wherever you, it belongs. Yeah. yeah, I just pull it straight off the hanger and yep. wear it and go about my day. Or dishes. So do the dishwasher. But I'm really bad about reloading the dishwasher because I don't take things out once they're clean. I take from the dishwasher once it's clean mm-hmm. and then I refill it once it's empty. Yeah. <laughs> Adulting is hard. It is hard. <laughs> and especially when you've got all these different cognitive issues at play yeah. as well as just the regular struggles of adulting. So I've I've already kind of talked about how I don't really associate the word disability with me. And, mm. and maybe that's just because um, I don't want to. I don't know. Um, but I don't view ADHD in, uh, specifically as a disability in my mind because it sort of evens out, like I mentioned before, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, sometimes I'm going really hard and I can accomplish a ton of stuff. And it almost feels like a superpower in those moments. And then in other moments, it's a crash and I can't do anything. I, you know, I've I've had times where I've been basically in bed for a week, not really doing anything because Mm -hmm. I'm sort of recovering. And it used to really bother me. And my therapist has just said, this is, you know, uh, sort of the the natural progression of how ADHD works for you, at least. And you shouldn't be so hard on yourself because look at those two weeks where you got a ton of stuff done. You deserve that recovery period. And it makes sense that you need that recovery period. At the same time that it's sort of a superpower in some instances, there's other aspects like anxiety, depression, OCD, impulsivity, swings in energy levels, overthinking, insomnia, all sorts of different aspects that 
Um, I don't know how many of them are related to the ADHD and how many mm. are their own separate issue, but I deal with all of these things and it can be incredibly overwhelming, incredibly debilitating at times. So I guess the question is, do you have similar experiences of having challenges that are more of a, um, a constant versus mm. sort of um, something that comes and goes in waves like what I deal with? Or, or is that your experience? Or uh, is this something that you've I guess, learn how to manage so that you don't have to go through that as much? Oh, it's a good question. I feel like for me personally, it's always changing. There are things that I deal with regularly, though. Like the debt perception thing is pretty constant. I went home to uh, Delta, BC for Christmas with my family, and I was going into my parents' room, and they watched me just walk head on into the doorframe. Ooh. And it's one of those moments we just all bust out laughing because, like, <laughs> they they know me and love me. And they're just like, whoa, like, you you good? And I'm like, yeah, I just I thought I I thought I cleared it. I guess I didn't because I have no sense of, you know, to me, I'm looking like I'm going to walk right through the door, obviously. But that's not the case. Right. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of things are difficult because people do like outside, you know, your circle, if you're dealing with colleagues or. They'll give you a look like, did you just walk into the wall? And you got, like, it got to the point where at my, at my last job, I would walk into my, I did it walking into my boss's office. And I just pretended like nothing happened. I just kept rolling on to what I had to say and moved on. And she would be like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, you good? And she's like, yeah. And we just, you just pull those right over it, right? Mm -hmm. It's awkward. It's embarrassing. Similarly, like with, falling and tripping obviously my feet are like like this a little bit so like i obviously walk with a bit of a limp i trip over my own feet a lot of the time i constantly also because of the depth perception when i pick up my leg to clear something like if something's in the way i see that thing i know i want to step over it but i don't know how my leg needs to go in order to make that happen right because i think i'm gonna clear it but oftentimes i don't and so you know tripping and falling is the norm. Uh, fatigue is a big one. Because um, uh, like physical fatigue mm -hmm. from your muscles constantly being stimulated? Yes. So, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, I'm like, I need to go to bed right now. And like, I'm tired, but I can't sleep. So it's like getting into that like sleep kind of mode is hard sometimes. But my body feels like I just got to work out in. Mm -hmm. And I asked a doctor, I was like, am I burning? Like, I should be burning because they say that people with CP use uh five to seven times more energy than the average bear who doesn't have cp i don't wow. know how true that is but i do feel it mm -hmm. and i think oh my god why like i should be right back on the fitness train then should be burning way more calories like what the heck mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's not always easy um i dealt with oh high blood pressure is a thing because of the tightness, okay. getting getting blood flow is is interesting, and um, as a, I'm on birth control as well, so that doesn't help the situation. I've kind of um, I took a year off birth control just to see if it was just in fact the birth control, and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it is a CP related thing. It did get a little bit better off the birth control, but that's something that you know I chose. to take and choose to be on for my own reasons so mm -hmm. um yeah it is something that i check in on with my doctor because 
people with CPR more prone to heart issues because of how hard it has to work. Like if I exercise and I'm doing cardio, like when I was running, I'd have to be careful. My heart rate would go in the 200s and I'm small, like in stature, I'm like 4'10". Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was always like, oh, I can feel my heart really. Let's check my handy dandy Apple watch for a second. Oh, 206. Okay. Maybe it's time to slow down before I like, because I don't know how high. And so I, I always learned like new questions to ask my doctor, like, hey, is this CP related? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm like, great. Can someone, like, <laughs> I think my biggest problem with this was that, you know, because I had it from birth, people see CP as like a child's disease. Mm-hmm. And that really bugs me because it's like, listen, when I turned 18, last time I checked, I still had CP that day. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it didn't end. Things are slowly getting worse with age. Doctors say that it doesn't progress. It doesn't get worse. I beg to differ because aging is hard for everyone, let alone people with chronic illness. And I think the one piece to this puzzle that is interesting too is because I have CP, because I know that like, okay, like last year or the year before I I got scoliosis, I think it was... It was 2021, so yeah, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was new. And I was like, oh, and it's caused by the CP. Like, there's no other explanation. Right. So I'm like, damn. So now I'm learning that, like, things will pop up. That And, and that's a scary thing, too, because you're like, what else is going to go wrong? So then you start having conversations. Like, you know, my doctor asked me a couple of years ago, do, do you, and I was 25, 25 years old. He says, do you, are you planning on having children? And I'm like, well, um, 25, so not not anytime soon. Like I, you know, but yeah, yeah, I'd like to have kids one day. And he goes, okay, uh, better sooner rather than later for you. And I was like, well, isn't that the case for every person who wants to conceive? Like, sh- who who is going to carry uh, a child? Like, shouldn't they? He goes, yeah, but for you, it it really does matter because it'll be really really hard on your body um to carry a child so you should be young and healthy and but also ready also ready Mm -hmm. uh with the right person and at the right time so it's like this weird thing where and it's not just with kids but overall like you know that clock for my life like you know, traveling. I, I just got back from a backpacking trip. It was amazing. Uh, my boyfriend and I went. It was an unforgettable experience. But I literally quit a job I had for five years and said, I'm going to go travel here for two months because I need to do this in case in 10 or 20 years, maybe, I don't know, what if I can't walk anymore? Mm-hmm. I have to do this so that I can do it while I can do it, you know? Um, and I, it seems like that's something that... Um, women in general often deal with mm. within the medical industry when it comes to getting pregnant mm-hmm. is a lot of misinformation, a lot of misogyny, things like that. So then you have to wonder, where is the intersection between that and having a disability? And um, is the information I'm getting something I can rely on? Do I need to get a second opinion? There must yeah. be a lot of that happening. And there's always well. those stories where people go, well, I had a baby at you know, 40 and I was fine. And it's like, great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's it's very personal i mean they call pregnancy at 35 geriatric pregnancy which i'm like excuse me my 
Am I going to be called 35 35 years old? Mm -hmm. Geriatric? Those are things that I don't think should be sentenced together. But that's the way it is. And so it's something that, and of course, because I've never been pregnant myself, and I don't plan to for a little while yet, like, I don't know what to expect. So you only have, you know, and yeah, my mom is is keen to answer questions and the women in my life, but they also don't have CP2. Mm-hmm. So it's like finding that community of women who understand, like, no, it's totally, it's totally fine. And I've had a couple people say that to me, like, you'll be totally fine. It's fine. But you just never know because every person is different. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly, like you said, kind of wondering, like, is this, should I really listen to this hard or should I, you know, go whenever I feel like it's, it's ready and it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I've done that with a lot of things in my life, like traveling um, and just like, career-wise too, like, you know, wanting to work extra hard and, and, and move up the chain and, and do more and take on more because what if one day I, I can't? And it's like, what? Like you, you, you work, I work in film, but I don't, I don't work on set. I am in the office doing production type stuff and writing and all that. And it's like, I'm, you know, but what if one day my hands stop working? Like it becomes almost irrational because I'm like, that, that would take a lot. That would take me like not going to physio anymore, not doing my stretches, not like taking care of myself, right? But that's also exhausting. I mean, sometimes <laughs> yeah, I go through days where it's like, okay, today I'm not disabled. Today I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to not do my stretches because I don't feel like it. I'm not going to the gym. I'm going to reschedule that physio appointment because I just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You get tired of the maintenance of chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, everybody has shit that they have to do in their life that they don't want to do right adulting in general mm-hmm. um but when you add that your body is also your job or you know for people that deal with you know their mind is also their job it's like you have two jobs mm-hmm. and then if you have side hustles on top of that well <laughs> you've got more work to do it's like when does the work end and you know you keep thinking like i'm one of those people where it's like i'm all or nothing so i will go to the gym six days seven days a week Every day for like six months, I will get in really great shape. I will feel amazing. And then I will hit a wall like you wouldn't believe. And I will, ah, you know what? I can miss the gym, whatever. And then I'm back to square one again. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not good at, I want to say not good at being consistent, but like it's all or nothing. Like I will not be lenient with myself or I will be too lenient with myself. Like it's, it's finding that balance. Um, that's something I definitely struggle with as well is that uh, ability to find balance mm. in my life. Um, and also sort of that self-advocacy component, oh. which is very mentally draining. So I'll find a lot of times if I'm struggling with, whether it's a physical injury or whether it's um, just my, my mental health, there's things that you have to do, booking therapy appointments, <laughs> going to physio, going to um, uh, doctor's appointments, whatever it is that... If I'm feeling overwhelmed, I just won't do those things. And then that's detrimental to my health, yep. right? Um, so I mean, it, it's uh, not as, as detrimental as if you have um, uh, CP in your instance, I would think, right? Where, you know, you're uh, physically sort of uh, reliant on, on these activities of, of 
keeping active so that you can maintain that mm-hmm. uh, ability to function the way you want to. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's it's similar, but it's a, it's a mental thing, right? It's, mm-hmm. I, I need my brain to function properly. And if I'm not taking care of myself, then it's not going to. And then that just creates more problems. And then you feel worse because you know, like as adult humans, we can sit here and say, yeah, I know I need to work out. Yeah, I know I need to drink more water. And I know, but why aren't I doing it? Oh, what's wrong with me? And you start going down that cycle. Like, you know, in Europe, all I ate was bread and cheese. Like it is everywhere. The Mm -hmm. food is amazing there. And before I (laughs) went to Europe, this it might be a little too detailed. I don't know. But you know, one thing I was realizing I was dealing with was chronic constipation. Mm. So I wouldn't go to the bathroom for like a week. I'm not even kidding you. And then when I did, it was like painful and half an hour later, you know, that kind of thing. So while I was still working for the other company that I worked for, I decided, okay, I need to get this sorted out before I go traveling because mm-hmm. don't really want to be dealing with this in foreign places. So I went to see a dietitian and she made me a meal plan. And the second I started following that meal plan, things were great. Peachy keen, right? Mm-hmm. But but it was very limited dairy, like almost no dairy really, and almost no gluten. Right. And I'm going to freaking Europe. I'm like- Bread and cheese. <laughs> oh my God, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine said to me, oh, you won't have these problems in Europe. And I'm like, okay, I, I know I'm going on vacation and it's going to be magical and everything, but like, that seems far-fetched. She goes, no, like- it's the way they process their food there. Sure enough, I was eating bread, cheese all day. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. It's not the same kind of bread no. in Europe that we have here. All of it, just all the food didn't do that to me. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is, but when I come, I'm back now, I've been back since just before Christmas, and it's starting to get, you know, I don't eat too much now because I'm feeling that feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is about that was that like. I didn't realize it, but that's a CP thing too because oh. of the tightness. Huh. But even now, it, it's just coming up, right? I asked my mom, like, did I have this issue when I was a kid? And she was like, no, no, it's kind of new for you. I'm like, okay. But the other thing that was, you know, not so great about Europe was that I've obviously I gained weight <laughs> because I had been enjoying all the things, creme brulee and mm. You know, eating out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Eating out all the time because we're, you know, it's not like we're we're staying in hostels. I mean, there were some cooking options, but not a ton. And we want to try the local cuisine. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's harder for me when I have gained more weight to move around. I feel a difference in my mobility. It's harder. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay. Not only for my confidence and my own personal preference of how I want to look, but now for my body, I have to lose some weight because otherwise it's going to suck. Like it's added pressure. Um, so that's, that's an interesting. Yeah. And weirdly, I wasn't, uh, that wasn't where my mind was going originally, but I can also relate to that because I have a knee injury and mm. there's like a threshold where. Yeah. Um, if I'm way more than a certain amount, suddenly I can't play soccer anymore because my knees keep giving out on me. But if I weigh less than a certain amount, then it's okay. Everything's fine. Yeah. So yes, that's, that's a tricky thing to navigate as well. Yeah. Especially because once you get to that point of things aren't working as well, then it's harder to mm-hmm. do the activities required to 
lose the weight to make it easier. Well, and then the activities that I love to do, exercising, I had to find new ones because the old ones also hurt my body now because of my back. Right. So there's a whole other level it's of a whole thing. So thank goodness my sister made me that weightlifting plan because, you know, she showed me how to do it properly because that's one thing too is like if you're lifting weights now let's be honest i'm not lifting heavy weights yet maybe one day but like i got eight ten pounds like i'm not gonna you know do too much damage but if you don't have your form properly when you're lifting any sort of weight you could fuck something up and i that's the last thing i need right so she's like showing me how to do things and watching me do it and being like okay like you know Maybe like squats, for example. When I go down to do a squat, my heels come up every single time, right? Mm -hmm. That's not what you want. So I just, you know, I don't do as many squats. And I definitely don't do any squats with weights. Like it's, I'm just constantly adapting things over and over, finding new ways to do things. Um, and people are like, oh, just get a personal trainer. And it's like, sure. But also, still need to. they won't get my limitations i'll have to sit there and explain my life story and explain show them why i can't do it they'll be like oh okay and then they're like mm, oh i've never really dealt with this before and they might push when they shouldn't push mm -hmm. and i you know if they say come on 10 more i'm gonna be like yeah 10 more i'm gonna like mentally push too because if they think i can do it well i can do it because i'm not good at finding that like limit right um and I thought, you know, I used to think I was, and then I realized it was actually my boyfriend who helped me out there because he kind of was like, well, I need to know, like, what you can and can't do in some areas. Like, when to rein you in. Sort of. Yeah, like, he goes, I'm trying to find your, like, when you need help, like, you should tell me when you need help. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course I will. Well, I wouldn't. Mm. And he'd be like, do you need a hand? Be like, no, nah, nah, I'm good. And he's like, well, I can just, just give you a Take me two seconds. And I realized that one of the things that I was dealing with is is this whole, like, I don't need help. Like, it's fine. I can do it for myself. Like, this, this feeling that, and it, if I'm being honest with myself, it was a huge insecurity. Mm. Because accepting your disability is a hard thing. Um and I don't believe, like, everyone says, well, what well, doesn't define you? And it's like, yes, I know that. I know I do other things other than being disabled, but it certainly defines the way I do things. Mm -hmm. You know, it did, it dictates a lot about my life. And I'd be lying to myself if I said that. I have to shift and adapt. Sure, I make shit happen. If I want to do something physical, I find a way to make it work because mm -hmm. I want to, right? But also, getting help when you need it is okay i don't have to see somebody who loves me and cares for me offering me help as a personal attack you know it's not that they think i can't do it it's that they they want to help make my life easier for that two seconds and how much of that is you wanting to be able to do things yourself versus not wanting to be reliant on other people oh my god it's like those are the two things those are the two aspects it's like I want to be able to do that, and I don't want to have to ask you to do it. Like, for example, with my, my sister, she's she's strong, she's fit, she's young, she's capable. She doesn't need help with this. Why should I? I'm the older one. Mm -hmm. Like, I should not be asking my little sister to I should be the one, you know, braiding her hair. 
but I can't because my, I, I've never learned because my hands are bad. She can do my hair no problem, okay. you know. So it's getting over that. It's like um, my boyfriend when we were in Europe, he, because my family has always helped me cut my toenails because when I do it, it's always on an angle. And so you get ingrown toenails because you didn't cut yours properly, but mm. because of the way my hands are, they have a hard time. And same with painting my nails. So my sister always used to do that for me. But then I moved out. I said to my boyfriend, I'm like, you know, I might, I might, I have to go and visit my family and then maybe they can cut my toenails for me. And he's like, well, why? And I explained it to him. He goes, well, I can just do it for you. And you could do that. He's like, yeah, why not? I'm like, don't you, don't you find that like gross or weird that I can't even cut my own toenails? He's like, well, whatever. What does that matter? It takes me two minutes. And I'm like, okay. Because if you want me to paint them, I can do that too. Like he was so accepting of it. And like, I realized in that moment, it wasn't like his acceptance wasn't, wasn't what I was looking for. It was amazing. And I'm so glad that he's that guy. And that's why I love him so much. But it's also my own acceptance of letting him do that and that being okay with me. Like, even when my sister used to do it, I'd feel the same way. Like, oh, my God, she should not be having to do this for me. Right. So it wasn't so much the relationship dynamic. It was just being reliant on a new person and yeah. you have to be comfortable with them. Well, but also that. just like, like you, I think you hit it when you said, you know, things I, I feel that I should be able to do for myself. Mm. Like, it's a vulnerable experience. To look at somebody and go like, especially with my sister, it's also because it was a different thing because she's younger than me too. And I want to be that older sister that helps her with everything. You know, I want to be big sister. I want to show her to do her hair. I want to show her to do her nails. But those are things that I struggle with because of what I deal with. So she actually ends up helping me with them. And it's cute and she's very good at it. She can do nails really well and hair really well. But like, I wanted to play that role. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like, and, and she's always saying, it's not a big deal. I love doing this for you and I love doing this with you. And so I had to realize that it's not a bad thing. It's just different. Yeah. And we're still hanging out and we, you know, we're still bonding that way. And I don't lose any of that big sister identity or my boyfriend isn't, you know, grossed out or he doesn't feel like my caretaker you know that's always my my thing it's like especially with when you're dating you do not want your partner to feel like they have to take care of you um yeah. i mean i definitely understand that to some degree i don't have a lot of relationship experience in my life i am a pretty lone lone wolf type of person but um when my shoulder started to give out on me and i had to start asking people for help or just acknowledging there's certain things I can't do anymore. Mm. It was a really difficult thing to deal with. It still is. Like yeah. I, I still think of myself as the person who can do anything, mm -hmm. but there are limitations. I can still do a lot of things. I don't have like that big of a problem with my shoulders. But um, I was talking to you about this before the show where if I'm working above my head or yeah. something along those lines, it can be tricky. So now if I'm doing a construction job, there's times when I have to hire someone to do certain jobs because I know how to do them and I just physically can't do them. Or yeah. um, when I was renovating my apartment from a sort of that mental perspective, I was really struggling. You know, I'm living in a construction zone at my house and I'm just so frustrated every day because 
there's all this work that has to be done and mm. it all feels so overwhelming. And I, I had friends say, just ask, like, we're willing to help. Why aren't you just asking? And I, there's something about that process of asking for help that is so challenging. It's like, it's, it's physically very easy to do. Yeah. But it's mentally very difficult to do. I think for me, it always, like, I remember when I was talking about with running, mm-hmm. like, it was like my way to defeat CP. I see, I, well, I'm, I'm trying to get better at it, but asking for help felt like a defeat. Right. It felt like CP was winning in that moment. I can't do this thing, so I need someone else to do it. Point for CP, zero for Rachel. And it's like, well, fuck, it's easier for me, like, like my boyfriend and I have this little thing that we do when we're hiking. If there's a too steep of a, you know, incline or whatever, and I can't step down without being nervous about it, he'll just say, do you want to take the elevator? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be good. And he just picks me up, puts me down, mm-hmm. and we carry on. And that's it. And I think, like, I'm learning, and my family too, my family's, Helped me out in so many ways. You wouldn't believe, like driving, trying to teach me how to drive. My dad and I always laugh. My mom too, just like those early days when I thought that I could totally drive no problem on the road and the almost accidents that would happen because, you know, I, I'm thinking I'm doing so great on the road. My parents are like, what is going on right now? Why are you doing this? You know, mm-hmm. asking for help is, is not a weakness. It's a strength because it means that you know yourself. You know your limitations, and you also know that those people in your life, you can rely on them. Mm-hmm. And that means I had to reframe it in my mind of like, when I ask people in my life for help, it's showing me that I pick good people. Mm-hmm. I made a good decision with the people that I choose to surround myself with. It, so, do, it does sound like you have a very supportive network around you, yes, which is great. Which I, I'm very aware that that's a, a privilege, and I'm very lucky. Um, because I know that that's not the case for everyone out there, but I do think that it's, it's hard to realize that you see the world from a different lens than other people. And it's hard to deal with like, yeah, I've gotten some nasty comments along the way and it's hard to know whether to educate or not. Right. When is it Uh, worth it to try to educate? When is it worth it? And oftentimes it's not, unfortunately. Um, I find as I get older, I'm much more choosy. Like, you know, if somebody says something rude, I kind of gauge like, all right, was that like ignorance based? Like, do they just not know what they're saying or do they know? Are they trying to be hurtful? If they're trying to be hurtful, it's not worth my time or energy to engage them in any way. I have some really quick one offs. Um, that I use, like, for example, if someone says, and I've had this, like, I'm in a store and some guy walks up to me and he goes, what's wrong with your legs? I'll either A, say nothing, what's wrong with yours? Or B, I pretend like I just noticed something's wrong with me. I'm like, (laughs) what do you mean? He's like, well, well, you're limping. I'm limping? What do you mean I'm limping? What's wrong with me? Well, I, I don't know. It's like, dude. So I just watch them <laughs> fall apart and it's kind of fun. That's amazing. Um, or I will tell them. I'll be like, yeah, I have a disability. Oh, what is it? And I'm like, well, I have cerebral palsy. And they're like, never heard of that. And I'm like, well, fuck, Google it, buddy. <laughs> or like, or I get the ones that's like, my aunt's sister's cousin's best friend's dog has that. 
And I'm like, great. Um, can can you guys can I connect you guys on Facebook? Maybe you guys want to talk and be friends. Like, do do you know anything else about this dog other than its chronic illness? Like, will we actually vibe together? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like people think that like if you have the same illness, you're just going to be besties, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of funny. It's sometimes. It's true. Like, sometimes you can find those similarities. But like I said to you before, sometimes CP is a really wide range. It can be really mild and really severe. And I've had somebody with CP in my life tell me once that I've met, be like, oh, well, you, you don't have it that bad. What wow. do I say? What do I say to that? Like, yeah, you're right. I can walk and you can't. And I'm sorry for that. And I'm sorry that, you know, you feel like I don't belong here in this moment. but I'm here, so I, you know, like, how do you, how do you get around that? You just don't, you just swallow it and you push forward. And I think that's, for me, the pain kind of helps with that because it's like, despite the chronic stuff that I deal with every day, I still have life. I have a job. Mm -hmm. I have responsibilities. My problem is sometimes I take on too much and because it's like, I want to do all the things because I can do anything because why, why not? You know, everybody else can do stuff, so can I. But it's like, yes, but you're doing like six things and not all of those six things you're going to do at 100%. Mm-hmm. So why don't you be more selective with what you do so that you can really give yourself to those things, you know, and you'll find that you get better results. You feel better about that. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I- I'm drawing a parallel here between the way that trans and, and well, queer people in general are, are treated in mm. One in that, um, you know, oh, you're trans. Do you know so-and-so who's also trans, right? Like there's a bit of that. But also I feel like there's a responsibility for allies to step in Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Like when I'm getting hurtful comments because of being trans, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking to myself, I don't want to respond to this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, someone should educate this person. Like why should it always be me doing that? Yeah, We need allies to step in and take on that role because it's too much for the, the group that's being targeted to handle by themselves. Um, I don't know if you see it the same way, but, uh, you know, that's kind of my, my theory is why, why should you, for instance, have to deal with the burden of trying to educate all of these people that you know, want to make rude comments in public? Mm-hmm. Why can't someone else come over and say, hey, that's not appropriate? And by the way, this is sort of how we deal with with things if, if they're educated enough to do that i feel like it's just a sense of entitlement like people feel like they can just walk up to anybody and find out what's up with them and mm-hmm. it's like this is you know i don't owe you this information mm-hmm. sorry but like dude you need to get a hobby that isn't this mm-hmm. um but i also feel like it's just a matter of like would you like it like it's that it's that split second where you stop and think would i like it if some person walk up to me and ask me a question about something that I have no control over that maybe on some days I'm a little insecure about, mm-hmm. you know? And and I mean, I'm very aware that when I walk into a room or when I meet people for the first time, they see it. Mm-hmm. They see that I'm limping on in there and and immediately they're wondering before, sometimes before they even know my name, especially with work meetings, when I'm, you know, walking into meetings sometimes without knowing somebody, they're going, oh, what's up with that? in their head right Mm -hmm. and it's not malicious there's nothing wrong with that it's a curiosity now 90 percent of those people know that it's not appropriate to just come out and ask right away Mm -hmm. but you still see the look on their face it's like oh there it is and they're wondering about it and they moved on like it's a split 
You can you can read them. I can see the split. I can Mm -hmm. see like, and it's a split second because really, when you're in a meeting, and this is what I love about work, it's about the work. Mm-hmm. Like they might be curious about it for thirty seconds. They're like, anyway, whatever. Back to what we're doing, right? And so you get that that distraction. Mm-hmm. A little harder when you're in the middle of the grocery store, and you know Karen has some questions um, because she just feels she needs to know. Right, entitled to. And it's also I struggle because I I can be too nice sometimes. In some, like I'm like mm, I don't really want to. Like I've had to learn to be more assertive and be like I'm gonna give you one of my quick comebacks because I just don't want to deal with this and that's mm-hmm. fine like i don't have to be the nice person with a disability that is the educator of all mm-hmm. it's ridiculous and you know it's it's just that i mean i just wish people would stop and say is this the way i would want to be treated mm-hmm. but i mean not everyone has that level of capacity right to do that and on the note of interacting with other people mm. is, is there some language that you want to point out as far as this is good language to use this is bad language to use when you're referring to um people with disabilities oh it's changed for me over the years uh i can only speak on my for myself on this one i have no problem with saying like i'm disabled i know there's a lot of people that say i'm a person with a disability i'm just full-on disabled i that's fine with me um i'm fine with like i call myself a cripple all the time my parents drives me crazy for some reason they're like oh because they are used to it as being a derogatory thing Mm -hmm. so like oh i hate that you say that about yourself well i'm just like i don't care like i i say it to be funny i like to them because i know that it it kind of makes them all you know wigged out but i don't know the one thing that does bug me though is the what's wrong with you thing is it nothing really mm-hmm. like i think i'm all right um <laughs> you know what i mean like i mean yeah it looks a little weird i get it but it's not wrong it just is right and if it is wrong then everyone has something that's wrong with them right? exactly. yeah um if and it also like i think we were talking about this before the show like i've been called uh i worked retail and it was Chris busy christmas time and i was reading someone through cash register and this woman literally said to me, she goes, well, aren't you a cute little crippled Christmas elf? Wow. And I was like, oh. And that was like the first time I was like, I don't even think I was 20 yet. And that was the first time I'd been called like cripple. And I just joked about it five seconds ago. But that's me joking about it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, my parents making them uncomfortable for fun. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you're called something in a derogatory way. Now, she said it in a like, hee hee, I'm being cutesy but it's like lady are you kidding me like we all know that you didn't say that to be nice Mm -hmm. because you could have said a cute little elf because it's christmas and i get it um i didn't have a uniform on or anything but you know i would have let that go but the crippled christmas elf thing Mm -hmm. that stuck with me and that's a comment that i carry around so for me i think it's more how you use the word right um that i have an issue with um crippled used to bother me but i'm yeah i guess you're right in the sense i'm trying to reclaim it i think the for me i'm trying to get used to it again so i say it more to like hear it in a not that way right and do you think it depends on who it's coming from like yeah. if someone doesn't have a disability but they're using that word would that be a problem uh i don't think it's if the, you know if somebody said to me innocently like are you crippled in in terms of disability instead of disabled i'd be like yeah 
um, if they were asking it as a question. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, you know, you stupid cripples running around everywhere. It's like, whoa, you know. So it, it really depends said. on the intent and the phrasing of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told you that story about the little five-year-old boy. I was just walking home one day and passed a park, and he ran up to me in the most politely way he couldn't said, excuse me, miss. And I went, yeah. And he was like, are you mentally retarded? And I was like, honestly, if I'm being honest, I laughed because he's five and he doesn't know any better. And his mother immediately came over and was like, oh, my God, Jimmy, you know, you can't say that to people. And and she's trying to explain. And this kid just genuinely what he was asking was, is that what is wrong with you? Like, almost like he was trying to diagnose me, right, mm-hmm. with a word he had heard at school. Um, And so I took that moment and I chose to educate that little boy because maybe... I was the first person he had seen with a disability. You mm-hmm. know, I, I I feel like I'm a little biased towards younger kids because I'm very aware that they might not be as exposed mm-hmm. to that in their little lives, you know, when they're younger. Or processing, like, the intricacies of yeah. what things mean. They're kids. They're mm-hmm. learning. And adults should know better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I was taught, like, treat people how you want to be treated. Absolutely. That's how I was raised. And so I would never walk up to somebody and just ask them what's wrong with them. And sure, I have moments in my life where I see other people that are disabled. I mean, I'm human. I'm not going to deny this. I go, oh, I wonder what they have. I wonder if it's... And a lot of times they're going, is that CP? Does that person have CP too? Maybe. Maybe. Like when we were in Europe, uh, I think we were in Greece. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting on the beach. And we saw this guy running down the beach. And my boyfriend actually said to me, he goes, does that guy have CP? Oh, looks like he does. And I'm like, you know, you get excited for some weird reason. It's like, oh, one of us. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, and look, he's running. I should tend, I, I was joking with him and I said, oh my God, I should send my physio guy a picture of someone with CP running. And then my boyfriend was like, yes, but it's, it's the scoliosis that keeps you from running. I'm like, oh, damn. We have to acknowledge that we're not perfect, mm-hmm. you know. We do fuck up, and I do catch myself even wondering what might be, uh, you know, someone's diagnosis or what might be, like, is that similar to me? Is that arthritis? Is that this and that? Maybe they understand chronic pain. I'm kind of curious about that experience of in the moment. Like, if you recognize someone who also has a a disability, or maybe it's CP, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, one of us. This is great. (laughs) Yeah. Are you ignoring them, or are Mm. you reaching out to them? Because there's this thing in the trans community where when you clock another person as being trans, you almost completely ignore them. Like, I'm not going to bring attention to it. Like, this is so cool that I saw them, but I'm going to ignore them completely. Is it that or is it like, I'm going to go over them, introduce myself, want to chat about it? If I wasn't already talking to that person, I wouldn't just run up to somebody and be like, hey, do you have cerebral palsy? Because me too. Can we be friends? Like, (laughs) no, like live Mm -hmm. your life. But if I'm chatting with you and it comes up, uh, usually with new people in my life, it, it will eventually. A lot of times I have new friends who maybe they've only known me for a couple of weeks. They go, How, what did you do to yourself? Like, when are you going to heal? They think I, you know, sprained an ankle or, mm. and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, no, no, this is permanent. They're like, oh, fuck. And then they feel really bad, right? <laughs> right? Oh my God. But, you know, sometimes it comes up that way. When you're talking, you're like, you tell your, <laughs> your war stories, right? You're like, oh, I have, I have CP and, you know, da, da, da. and then they go, wait, you have CP? Yeah. Like, so do I. 
no way. And <laughs> then it starts. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what type of CBD do you have? Well, where do you affect it? Well, do you get, do you get chronic pain? Cause not all of us are the same. There's all different types, right? Some people don't experience chronic pain with CBD. Some people, you know, experience much more worse, um, much more worse, great, <laughs> much worse spasticity. So they're, they're, you know, shaking a little bit more. Whereas I only experience it when I'm having a spasm, you know, those kinds of things. It's like when I find out somebody's a preemie <laughs> deep down inside, I'm like, oh, what did, what did you come out of that with? You know, like, I got this. What did you get? Mm-hmm. And they're like, one of the funnier things that I ended up with was a caffeine addiction. Now, you might be thinking, like all of us, right? Um, but they actually, because I was born three months early, they used caffeine to keep my heart beating oh. when I was first born. And I was I would go into cold blue. I would die. And then they put me back on the caffeine and it would restart my heart and off I went. Um, so they kept me on it until I was strong enough to be without it. And then they told my parents, like, hey, when she starts drinking coffee, there's a very good chance she's going to get a raging caffeine addiction. Mm. And they were like, cool, that's the least of our concern at this moment, right? Because they're dealing with all the other stuff. And sure enough, in high school, like I was 13 or 14, and I had a cup of coffee and that was it every day ever since. Huh. Yeah. And in university, it got to like five cups a day because, you know, you're trying to get through. And I realized. I was at 14. 14. Oh, (laughs) wow. Okay. So, yeah, I thought five was a lot. I was like, "Mm, better better tone this down. It was at my work. It was free. So I'm like, "Ah, coffee all the time. That's like film sets. (laughs) What do you think people need to be more considerate of uh, or aware of when it Mm. comes to people with disabilities, speaking with people who are disabled or whatever it might be? I think. Obviously, we, we've said this, everyone has a different opinion. Um, but I'm of the thought of like, treat me like you would any of your other friends. Mm-hmm. And if you're worried about something, ask me. Like, like if you want to do something super physical and you want me to come along, but you're not sure. So you like, let me make my own calls mm-hmm. on things. If I decide that I'm going to sit this one out, that's cool. And just be cool with it. I have friends sometimes who will push when i say oh no you know what i can't do that mm. and they're like oh no you totally can and it's like i don't think so and then it's this awkward situation where do i go and make an ass of myself or do i stick to my guns like they mean well they just want me there and if i'm being 100 percent honest sometimes they're right mm-hmm. sometimes i do try it and I do do it. And I'm like, cool, that's a new thing I didn't know I could do. But it's a balance, you know? Right. So it's um, about wanting to be invited, um, but also having your boundaries respected. And yeah. Kind of striking that balance. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. You get overly cautious when you spend a lot of time falling down or, you know, you're like, is this going to make me hurt myself? Because I've had two concussions already. Mm-hmm. You know, not so great to have another one. Right? So there's all these things that I'm like keeping track of. The skin on my knees is a different color than the rest mm-hmm. just from scraping them. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you get kind of puck shy. You're like, ooh, I don't, is this going to make me fall again? Like, right. I don't know. So you need like some gentle pushing. Sometimes, sometimes. you do because mm-hmm. it's just, and you know, I don't have it, an anxiety disorder, but sometimes it is. It's just anxiety. You're just anxious. Mm-hmm. It's just fear. Uh, and you just have to, full sand and 
and go. I'm just trying to think of myself, like, if there's anything... I mean, I guess, yeah, what's wrong with you is kind of an awkward thing to ask somebody. Right, don't ask um, Think before you speak. Maybe. But, I mean, I've even... <laughs> like, I admitted, I've, I've, if you go back in the tape, I've had that thought myself. Like, when I see somebody, I'm, like, trying to figure it out, too. Mm-hmm. Differences I know not to say it out loud. <laughs> you and know? Are you thinking, like, what's wrong with this person? Or are you thinking, like, what does this person have? Yeah. Like, it, it's just framed differently. Yeah, it's maybe? like, what, what, what have they got? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how are they how are they dealing with it and you know because you're always trying to find someone like we talked about who maybe has cp or something so we can trade off like tips and tricks too because mm-hmm. that person gets it like i have a really great medical team like my physio guy he's incredible um he really listens which is nice because mm-hmm. you know a lot of medical practitioners they don't but he does but he also doesn't have cp mm-hmm. so he's going off of me giving him, you know, my insight on how I'm feeling, whatever, and giving suggestions based on that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, a physio with CP, oh my God, if that was possible, to, if you're out there, come find me because, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a way that I, I would prefer to be spoken to. Just remember that the people who have disabilities are more than their disability. And if you see... This is something that I don't relate to personally, but it does bother me. If there is someone in a wheelchair who has someone assisting them, like a hired care worker or just a friend, don't talk to the person who's helping them. Like, they're going to answer for the person in the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Talk to the person in the wheelchair. If they can't answer you, you'll find out pretty quickly. Like, it's just a respect thing. Like, they're they're, they're a person, too. Mm -hmm. Drives me crazy when I see that. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of it's coming back to that one comment you made earlier, which is just treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah, and I think people forget that because sometimes disability isn't pretty. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a hard pill to swallow. Like sometimes you want to look away because it's it's too much. You're like, oh, whoa. And you feel awkward. And I've seen it when I have spasm in public and people are kind of staring. They don't know what to do. People, I call the hospital. I'm like, please don't, please don't use medical resources for this, I'll be fine. And, you know, it's good. I promise you it'll be fine. So you're able to communicate that in the moment. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I've had a few, like, you know, when you're in school and you're in elementary school and they're like, call somebody. And it's like, please do not. I can't go to the hospital for this. There's nothing they can do other than give me painkillers. Like, I imagine that's so much more challenging in a place like the U.S. too, where someone oh. calls and suddenly you're on the hook for a big bill. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I can't even imagine how, like, that must feel. Anyone with chronic medical conditions in the U.S., I feel for. Mm-hmm. Um, Canada's is not perfect either. No. Uh, for sure. But I feel like it can be better in some ways. It's inconsistent in Canada. Well, we should probably also mention, even though it doesn't apply to either of us, but the rates, disability rates, the amount that people are given on a monthly basis oh. if they're not able to work, yeah, that's have not, not been raising with rising with inflation. They're no longer something that you can really live off of. I yeah, don't know I can't how even think about that. that. Or I know people who uh, are in. This is going to really grind your gears. Um, I have friends who are in in a, in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. She's in a wheelchair and she wants to move out because hello, she's an adult and she wants to move out, mm-hmm. but she's on disability and the government will not pay for. Um, somebody to be nighttime care Mm -hmm. so if she were to move out and something happened like an emergency like a fire or something Mm -hmm. 
there'd be no one there to help her. There's also an instance where um, someone I know had a disability, were on disability, but were living with a partner who was working. And because the partner was working and bringing in just enough money, the person who had the disability didn't qualify to get money anymore. So now the person who's making a pretty meager income is responsible for being the caretaker of that other person. And the problem became that the person who had the disability was also abusive. And so the partner wasn't able to escape the situation because they were on the hook for taking care of, of the partner who was abusing them. So it became this horrible situation oh, where she no me. longer had the finances to get out of there because the finances were going to him. So there's all sorts of horrible instances wow. like that that occur. You know, you, sh- you should treat people like two separate beings, even if they're in a relationship with uh, each other, I think. Yeah, right? and I don't, I don't, and that's, I don't think, like, I think it's the U.S., but I mean, probably here too, where if you get married, you lose your disability or whatever. Well, this was the same type of situation okay. it, where they were common law. So they weren't okay. uh, married, but the same sort of rules yeah, applied. No, where I think, and it was a pretty low threshold. I think it was if she was making more than $2,000 a month, then he was no longer eligible for disability. So wow, you know, is... now she's supporting two people on $2,000 a month. Yeah. How does that fix the problem? Mm-hmm. And and that's so And he doesn't have financial independence because no. it's not like she's giving him a an allowance or something like that that he can go out and buy things with. So um, it's just not good for anyone involved. Independence is a good word because I feel like that can get lost mm-hmm. um, for people who have uh, severe disabilities. And I feel like that needs to change. That that would be my my point to end on is everyone deserves some independence, mm-hmm. big or small. Like I even feel as a 27-year-old woman, like the guilt I feel for not being able to drive is astronomical. And everybody in my life is like, it's okay if you don't drive. Now, I still, I won't say I've given up on it because I have a car with hand controls and I I constantly keep, you know, saying I want to learn. I'm waiting until the weather gets better, easier to practice again. It's been a long time since I've driven. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my parents, my partner, they are fantastic in saying it doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. It's just driving. It's no biggie. I'm like... Big biggie. All I want to do is go to the grocery store by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be able to drive to work if it's really raining and I don't want to take transit. Mm-hmm. You know, go meet friends. And yeah, it's just. You hear it, that from seniors all the time, mm-hmm. right? Where they have to give up their license and they go, I, I feel like I've lost my independence. So. Yeah. And that, and unfortunately, like, that's something I've never learned how to do. I feel like it would be harder to lose it like i I feel like it'd be harder to drive for 60 years and then you're like oh you can't do it anymore yeah Mm -hmm. that's because you grieve that loss Mm -hmm. whereas i i'm just frustrated and that's the other thing i should mention that is common is the anger um that comes with being disabled there is anger there and like for me anyway i have a lot of anger Mm -hmm. inside of me and it's very hard to control sometimes. That's it's like a frustration with oh, yeah. the cards that you were dealt, sort of. A frustration day to day. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes takes me five minutes to do up the button on my pants. Uh, not because I've had one too many tacos, but because buttons were something I struggled with as a kid. Um, and sometimes it still is a struggle, motor skill wise, mm-hmm. right? 
tying my shoes. I learned how to tie my shoes when I was, I want to say, six or seven, Mm -hmm. which is pretty normal. But sometimes, some days, I just can't do it. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? And why is this taking me so long? And this is really embarrassing, especially when you're with people. And all of a sudden, you're just like, can't tie your shoe. And they're waiting for you. And you're kind of squatting. Or for me, I'm like bending over. And I'm like, eventually, it'll it'll work again. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, it gets frustrating. All those little, like, notches where every time it happens, and you just, okay, whatever. I just got to get through it. Or, oh, I don't want to show that I'm upset right now. I wanna don't want to ruin the mood. I want to keep... You know, that preservation of the good and the stifling of the bad. Sometimes I have days where I'm just a puddle I'm a mess because I bottle all that down and you have to let it out sometimes. But you also, like, I feel like I do a lot of protecting the people that I care about. Like my parents, for example, you know, I try not to tell them every time I fall. I try not to tell them every time somebody says something stupid to me. Because it almost hurts and angers them more than me. Right. Sometimes. Right. And I'm like, okay. So if I can't, if I don't, well, I shouldn't say can't because I always can. But if I don't want to tell, you know, my parents, my family, or some of my friends, or my boyfriend, who the hell do I tell that to? And yes, I have, I've been in and out of therapy, but like, you know... For the most part, I'm doing pretty good at this point in my life. It's just a thing that happens, right? Who do I let that out to? And it's that thing of like, who do I burden this with? Right. That's what it comes down to. Like, who can I burden my sad story with? Mm-hmm. You know, and I hate that narrative because honestly, I believe that everybody has a sad story. Everybody has hardships in their life. And I never want to lead with that. I never want to, you know, be the girl with the disability. Mm-hmm. But I am a girl with a disability the fact of life right it's why i got i'm here mm-hmm. that's what we're talking you, about you know mm-hmm. and i and i think there's this balance of like even at 27 sometimes there's a resistance to accepting myself right. and i have to accept that like i took up boxing because i thought well that's going to be a great way to get it out and it was it was fantastic mm-hmm. like you go in there you hit the bag you learn how to hit stuff and holy crap you come out of there you feel and really good so i've tried to translate that into exercise into the writing that I do, into the music that I write. Um, but yeah, sometimes I'm just got to hit something. Not someone, something. <laughs> something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My mom always used to say, punch a pillow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're sort of getting close to the end here. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that mm. you wanted to bring up before we wrap things up? Just because we're disabled doesn't mean we can't be assholes. Or that we can't be abusive or that we can't, you know, it doesn't, it's not a get out of jail free card, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, I have ex-partners who had suffered from depression mm-hmm. and I ended the relationship because of that. Mm-hmm. And the guilt, oh, you wouldn't believe the guilt. But it's like, I learned that on top of what I deal with every day, mm-hmm. dealing with, you know, having a, a partner with severe mental health issues was not a good fit but the main piece of that that i will stress is that you know that person at the time wasn't taking care of himself mm-hmm. which doesn't help so i will say if you have a disability yes it's hard but it's your responsibility mm-hmm. and that's a hard fucking pill to swallow i will tell you because it's a lot of work and unfortunately it's not on anybody else but you to better your situation. There's, you can get help. There is support. There's a lot of great organizations 
out there and family and friends if you've got them amazing and and you know it's double-edged sword because i was talking about you know asking for help was okay earlier right and yes but all these things are about balance i think that's the theme of this podcast because it's like yeah ask for help but don't you know overdo it to the point where you're not taking care of yourself at all yeah well and i think everyone has their individual struggles that they have to go through to figure out what that balance yeah. looks like. And when it comes to, like, even if that person had been taking care of their mental health, that doesn't mean that it's not going to display itself in ways that maybe another person isn't able to engage with. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had experiences where I've had relationships with other trans people. They're great people. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with them. Uh, some of them were taking care of themselves better than others. But a lot of them I couldn't I couldn't deal with the relationship dynamic because mm. I have dysphoria, they have dysphoria. When you put us together, it sets, we set each other off. And yeah. so that dynamic just didn't work. And even though we're both probably great people when we're apart, when we're together, it didn't work out. Right? You so. just bring out the worst, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all about balance. It's okay to set limits, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, that's a good point to end on, I think. It's okay to set limits with yourself. It's okay to push your limits sometimes. It's okay to, you know, if your partner has a disability, if your parents are disabled, like you need to take care of yourself too as mm-hmm. the non-disabled party there. Because, you know, CP is never ending. It'll, I will have it for the rest of my life. It will get worse. Um, and that's a conversation that my boyfriend and I had to have. So I'm like, listen, uh, I could be in a wheelchair one day. Could be. Don't know if it's going to happen, but it's a possibility. And he's like, okay, I'm good with that. You know, serious shit. And it's scary because they could be like, oh, geez, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. But you have to have the tough conversations. Right. So I would say dating with a disability, which is something we didn't touch on, but honesty, you got to be honest. You got to be honest with what your limitations are. You got to be honest about um, how your kind of, progressing if you're progressing what your goals are there like your partner if you're thinking long term with them you know like they they should know and they should be able to assess for themselves whether or not they want to be a part of that and if they don't it doesn't mean they're an asshole doesn't mean they're a bad person just means that they are not um wanting to handle that and that's okay that's fine. I, I think that's fine. I had many dating experiences when I was single doing online dating where, you know, before the date, I always would tell them, hey, I have a display of a slight limp like you're going to see when we hang out. And then we hang out and they're like, oh, and I could see like they are so uncomfortable. They don't know to talk to me. It's like a mess. And so, you know, they said, look, like I can't, I can't do that. I'm like, hey, that's totally cool. We went out for coffee. Mm-hmm. Low investment. And you know what? Honestly, I don't want to date somebody that can't handle it because, hello, this isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I've also had people that said that they wouldn't want to date me because I'm too short for them. Because I, you know, don't like country music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it really, I mean, just be yourself. Yeah. I actually, I, I heard some great dating advice, which was... You go on a few dates with someone you're, you're seeing if it's a, a good match, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're getting along with them well. And at some point, just you have a date where you lay out all of your baggage mm. and then you just see if there's any deal breakers on the table. And that way you don't have to get two years down the line and find out 
this isn't working for whatever reason. Yeah, you know how they say, don't discuss religion, politics, all that on a first date? I'm like, let's let's do it. Do it all. Let's do- <laughs> if you support Trump, I want to know right now so I can, you know, so I can I'm not run. wasting my time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. in, from 2016 to 2020, that was one of the things. I was like, I got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you might think that's a little much, but it really moves things along because you see, like you said, deal breakers, right? What are people, and, and this is disabled or not, like everybody has their deal breakers. Mm-hmm. I know people with disabilities that only want to date people with disabilities because they just, they're like, yeah, I want somebody that may understand what I feel. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. It limits your dating pool a heck of a lot. But you know what? If that's what makes you comfortable, go for it. Mm-hmm. Usually I like to end the episodes with something that the audience can do if they're interested in um, doing some kind of advocacy work or or championing an issue. So in this case, what would your uh, advice to the audience be if they're thinking, I'm feeling passionate about what we've talked about today. I want to do something to help people with disabilities. What what am I doing? Are Are there organizations they could volunteer with? Is there activism that they can do online? Like, you know. Whatever it might be. Yes. Okay. I will. I'll give them a task and I'll give them some organizations that are great. Um, GF Strong is a great organization that helps people uh, with disabilities and people who are recovering from stroke rehabilitation. VAMPS, Vancouver Adapted Music Society. Uh, They help people with disabilities that are musicians play and get their music out there. Uh, there's Kickstart Disability Arts and Culture, which I'll just mention in passing. Uh, they help artists get paid for their work. I actually am the board president of that organization. Oh. Um, so please, please, please check that out. You can be a member. Um, we have memberships online and you can learn more about all the workshops and lovely programming that our people are working on. There's always something going on and a lot of it is, uh, free or close to it. So it's very inclusive that way. A challenge for you guys would be to create a scenario where you would be slightly disabled, meaning try to, you know, um, not use a certain limb for a while. Maybe you want to plug your ears um, or cover your eyes uh, or, you know, my dad always says that CP is like tying belts around your legs and trying to walk. Try that try to not talk for a certain amount of time try to pick a cup up when your hands are shaking right i'm mimicking a spasm right now because i get these so i can do that when when my hands are clawed like this and i obviously this is not happening this is what it looks like right um see how that feels see how that feels in public um and imagine what it would be like to not be able to stop when you start to get embarrassed. Right. Um, I think the best thing to do is to have, I mean, it's, it's, it's not possible to feel it exactly, but it'll give you some awareness of like, oh, geez, that is, that is awkward or that is difficult and, and just see how it feels. Thank you for everything that you've brought up today for having this conversation with me. This has been a conversation about disabilities on a social justice podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Burling. We've been joined by Rachel Ransom. And thanks again for joining us. It's yeah, been thanks a great for having me. It's been fun. You've been listening to a social justice podcast hosted by Nicholas Sperling 
brought to you by The Flag Shop and inspired by a social justice coloring book.